Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Since 1993, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now at Copenhagen, save $100 instantly for every $1,000 you spend on stressless recliners and sofas or save $300 on stressless sunrise recliners. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit our showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the feature staff of the Austin American Statesman, and we're sponsored by Copenhagen Furniture. I'm Addie Broyles. In this week's episode, we are revisiting a conversation with Daniel Curtis, a native Austinite who suffered a life-changing spinal cord injury in 2011. Curtis is now married and the father of an eight-month-old. And with former I Love You So Much co-host Tolly Mosley, we talked about what people misunderstand about paralysis and how such a catastrophic injury has transformed his own life in some ways for the better. At the time of his injury, Daniel worked as a food and beverage director, and the food industry hosted a benefit for him, which has turned into an event that has now raised nearly half a million dollars to help other Central Texans with spinal cord injuries. This year, the annual Pay It Forward with Daniel Curtis fundraiser returns on August 1st at the AT&T Hotel and Conference Center, and you can buy tickets and find out more at pifdaniel.com. Thanks for coming to the studio, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. So in 2011, you had a Memorial Day weekend that changed your life forever. This is true, yeah. led you to uh, now having this Lensar Paralysis event that's coming up. But why don't we start first with your story? Sure. Yeah, so I'm a longtime Austinite. I've been here since I was one. Um, I kind of grew up, um, you know, went to Crockett in South Austin and then a couple years of ACC, but I really, I got into the food and beverage industry in Austin. And so that was, I was fascinated with that. I loved working. I loved making money. I loved meeting people. Um, so that's what I did up until the age of 29. And I kind of climbed the ladder. Um, at the time of my injury, I was the assistant director of food and beverage at the AT&T Hotel and Conference Center. So this was the weekend after commencement and it was pretty tame. It was just me alone in my backyard with my dog. We were playing fetch. My dog loves the water. So I had a pool. Um, and I kind of, you know, it was one of those moments where I just uh, multitask when I shouldn't have. So I was throwing the ball as well as diving at the same time. And I kind of slipped. And just like that, uh, my head hit the bottom of the pool. I felt this kind of flash in my neck. Um, I was conscious. It was kind of kind of crazy because I was just holding my breath for as long as I could. And I was trying to, to get to the the surface so I could take a breath, but I just didn't have the function. I had, you know, damaged my spinal cord injury that quickly. So, um, I ended up just holding my breath for as long as I could kind of thinking like, I guess this is it. You'd think that'd be terrifying. It was actually kind of, um, 
kind of euphoric. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you slowly deprive your brain of oxygen. But I didn't, I wasn't really afraid to die, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. My last thought was my girlfriend is on her way home from HEB. She was picking up a bottle of wine. Um, so that was it. And then I woke up in the back of an ambulance in my front yard. Um, so she had come home. She found me. She uh, realized that I wasn't kind of playing a practical joke. She jumped in. She pulled me out. She gave me CPR. Fortunately for me, she was an ICU nurse, so she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then began, like, the second phase of my life as a quadriplegic. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the origin of the story. Sure. While I was... While I was at um, inpatient rehab in Houston, the culinary community kind of rallied, and they held this huge fundraising event, 20 restaurants. It was in the ballroom at the AT&T this Hotel. This was just like two months after your accident. Yeah, yeah. and we weren't even sure if I was going to be there because I didn't know when I was going to be discharged mm-hmm. from the hospital. So it ended up working out to where I got discharged the day of the event. So I was able to drive home from Houston. We stopped off at CVS, picked up a bunch of medications, and... And then I went to this event, and man, it was probably one of the most powerful, uh, emotional events of my life, just seeing so many people um, that I knew, but a lot of strangers who were just kind of touched by my story. Um, people I mean, in the food and beverage community. Yeah, people yeah. in the food and beverage community, or people that you know knew somebody with a spinal cord injury, or yeah, just a lot of strangers who introduced themselves. So I started going to this event probably, if not that year, the following years. And it was it really was moving to see the food community come out. But then it was interesting as it started to shift because you started to get your your new life back and a, a new sense of normal. And you really became a leader in the paraplegic and quadriplegic communities here. And um, such a great spokesperson for the Lansar Star Paralysis Foundation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that foundation, how it's benefited you, and what the money raised at this event will go for? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, so Lone Star Paralysis Foundation has actually been around. It started out as a golf tournament like 40 years ago. Um, they've been an uh, official nonprofit for almost 20 years now. And they, um, they do what we call the three R's. So they raise money for research. Um, for recovery or rehab, and then for recreation. So the research piece is um, mostly done in academia at different colleges. We do some stuff with UT. Um, With regards to recovery, I was um, benefited from one of their advanced recovery scholarships. So even with insurance, and this was, you know, pre-ACA, so I didn't have an out-of-pocket max. But I had good insurance, I thought, and my benefits ran out, and it was kind of like I still needed therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where they're there to, to kind of help. I was still making gains. Um, so they kind of gave me a scholarship for an additional three to six months of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recreation. So we run the adaptive sports program here in town. So everything from wheelchair basketball to rugby to kayaking to, um, you know, we get together every weekend and do something. We'll go bowling. So it's just a good opportunity for, for folks to get out in the community because sometimes it's tough, you know. Mm-hmm. Find You're that a, fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. I want to pick up on the first R you mentioned, Daniel, and that is the research part. What types of research is going on in this space? Oh, man, there's so much. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening with exoskeletons. Um, so that's just robotics. Um, there's really cool stuff. What we're doing at UT is with Dr. Bittner, and he is um, figured out how to kind of surgically prepare the damage to a peripheral nerve. Um, which is relatively new technology. Um, In the past, you would sustain a peripheral nerve injury and you would have to wait. Your peripheral nerves regenerate at about a millimeter a day or an inch a month. So this is a way to kind of go in quickly and fuse that that lesion. Um, So we've been been funding that and we're looking to kind of 
translate that into the central nervous system or the spinal cord. So that's um, something that's really exciting. And then uh, other stuff that's going on, you know, when we're babies and when we're growing up, um, our bodies naturally kind of build the spinal cord engine, spinal cord. And, and once you reach adulthood, there's a switch in your brain that kind of shuts that off. So um, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in how to turn that switch back on. Um, and the cool thing about that is there's, you know, it's kind of a fountain of youth element to it. So there's a lot of um, outside parties uh, who are interested um, because that could be a pretty significant uh, bottom line changer for like folks in cosmetics and, you know, um, those that are um, looking to kind of market a fountain of youth procedure, mm. if you will. I've um, heard that contortionists build this special type of collagen in their ligaments and tendons, and that it is kind of like what you're talking about, this fountain of youth thing, where like they don't look younger, but their bodies behave um, like a younger person's would because they're generating this stuff like extra stem stem cells in the mm. areas that they're stretching. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. So this study I was referencing is UC Berkeley, and they're um, they've been having a hard time raising money, but now it seems like funding is coming in because there is this kind of third element of it that people are interested in. So right. that's it's exciting. And then everything with the Reeves Foundation, you know, still working on stem cells, still working on like uh, they'll put an uh, implant, an electronic implant in your lower spine to kind of help make that connection. So there's a lot. Of great stuff and I'm still you know even having been in the chair now for seven years I know I can I can live a full and happy life mm-hmm. um, but I'm also really optimistic that I don't have to spend the rest of my life in this chair so and that's what I tell new injuries um, you know sometimes there's at the beginning there's really not a lot of hope um, but I'm I'm excited to see what's going on in that science technology medical space and I'm confident that it's just a matter of time can you tell us some more about this new, full, happy life that you're leading? Because I watch it on Facebook, and it is so fun. You're doing great. Thanks. You might get me a little tricked up. Um, oh, well, but then we all might, might sure. together just have a moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, community was key in my recovery. Um, and then growing up in Austin and just having people around me, um, friends, you know, I mentioned the culinary community. But the other thing Lone Star Paralysis Foundation offered was a free community gym. So I would go and do my therapy, but then I would... Um, I'd hang out afterwards and I'd get to use all of this amazing equipment and I would just be there eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And that was like two years post, post-injury post of just full-time working on, on my recovery process. And in that process, I learned, you know, I, I met a lot of people. I learned a ton about my injury. I asked a lot of questions. Um, I ended up one of my occupational therapists. Um, I kind of had a crush on. And it's very it's not very professional for yeah. an OT to so I actually waited two years until after um I was her patient and I kinda tricked her into going with me on a first date to Chavez back when it was at the Radisson. Um and that worked out well. We're we've been married now for almost two and a half years. Oh um, yeah, congratulations. No, it's, they say it's it's pretty cliche for a quadriplegic <laughs> to end up with an occupational therapist. <laughs> um just because a lot of work they do is in that space is kind of upper extremity and, you know, getting you back to doing dishes and laundry and mm-hmm. activities mm-hmm. of daily Get living. You functional <laughs> around the house. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess you know, I can do laundry. I learned that. Um and yeah, excited. We actually are um six months pregnant so we're expecting oh our gosh. first child in three months yeah and that's I mean that's for me that was one of the things that um, I thought about first when I came out of surgery was 
how does this affect you know my ability to have a family um because at that point in my life i was 29 and that was like one of my agenda items if you will um so it's uh Seven years later, it's happening, and we're excited and thrilled. That's so awesome. So you were in the food and beverage industry, and your your whole life shifted to, I mean, advocacy in this space is really what you do pretty much all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm fortunate enough to, um, you know, I've got a few rental properties, so I've got some, some income from those. Um, the state of Texas actually has a lot of really good benefits for those that have um, traumatic injuries, so spinal cord injuries or brain injuries. And um, it's gotten, it's not as good as it used to be, um, and that's just a result of legislation over time. But back um, seven years ago, they actually would, you know, they helped me go back to school. Um, they paid for my undergrad at UT, and then they paid for What my, did you end up studying? Um, so initially I wanted to go into, like, biomedical engineering. I wanted to find a cure in the lab. <laughs> um, but then I realized, like, in a lab, you need really good de- dexterity and mm-hmm. I, my hands don't work so I would have had to be like an observational learner and that's not my jam mm-hmm. so I was like okay let's do I had a good business background from being in the hotel food and beverage world and looking at budgets and so on and so forth so I decided I would get my MBA and then I would raise money and give it give that to the biomedical engineers and let them find a cure that's how you made this connection with that first star with research being like yeah, yeah. there's a commercial link to it and that's not a bad thing yeah no it's not in many cases it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you, State of Texas, for your help with that. And now I'm, you know, I'm looking to put that to use. Um, we've got lofty goals and ambitions down the line. Um, you know, I read on the event page for Pay It Forward that it's dedicated to telling the stories of people with spinal cord injuries. What's one of the number one misconceptions uh, people, the general public, has about? what it's like to sustain and then live with a spinal cord injury? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks, what really sells in in the fundraising world is people who can walk again. Um, but I think if you ask somebody with a spinal cord injury, oftentimes that's not at the top of their list as far as what they want back. I mean, for me, because of I have a neck injury, my, my hand function is impaired, so that's probably at the top of my list. Um, I mentioned, uh, well, I mentioned earlier when we were coming into the studio that I don't have the ability to sweat. So just regulating body temperature is difficult for me. And and if it's cold or if it's really hot, and we live in Austin, Texas, so sometimes it's really hot, um, you know, that's kind of, that's difficult. Um, And then everything, you know, from bowel and bladder, I mean, you just kind of lose, you know, you lose full control over a lot of those faculties. So for me, like walking is probably fourth or fifth on the list. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a general misconception. Um, also that, you know, we're not, we don't really have anything to contribute to society. Um, I've seen so many incredibly productive individuals with, uh, you know, tetraplegia or paraplegia. And so I think that's, it's imp- that's an important message to get out is that we're not, you know, we're not a drain. If you can give us the tools to work with, um, we can really kind of provide a benefit to society. And I, I mean, we bring a, a a fresh set of eyes when it comes to diversity, um, you know, looking at spaces. And if you talk about universal design and, and just where we're going in the future, I think that um, our opinion and input matters. I did want to ask about accessibility in Austin, building upon that. Um, are there any places in particular that do a really great job of going out of their way to meet the needs of people who are in a wheelchair or places that you maybe could see there's some work to be done? Sure. I mean, downtown Austin in general, you know, and UT Is campus. good? Um, so downtown Austin in general is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that it's great. I'd say that we still have work to do. Austin, um, you know, claims to be a very accessible city. I 
I would push back and challenge that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a good friend, Chase Bearden, who works for the Cent- uh, Coalition of Texans with Disabilities, and he was downtown last week and kind of took a picture of uh, where a cu- curb cut should be mm-hmm. um, and where it wasn't. So for him to get where he needed to go, he had to kind of be in the middle of Lavaca Street, um, which isn't super safe, and pushing up a hill and, you know, to the next block, essentially. So little things like that. Um, what do you mean, like the electric scooters being in the middle of the sidewalks? Yeah. Have you encountered that? Um, um, I have encountered that, and that's um, that's kind of one of the things that's on the table, I think, in, for the next legislative session is mm-hmm. is a lot of these folks are parking in the stripe zone of, like, handicap mm-hmm. um, spots and scooters as well. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just, you know, it makes things a little difficult. I, I've got my routine and my pattern, and I haven't noticed too many issues. Um, and I've got enough function to where, like, I can, you know, if there's a step, I can kind of handle a step. But mm-hmm. a lot of folks in a power chair... You know, if there's a two or three inch threshold, there's really not much that can be done. So, and I, I, part of the the end of my MBA program was a, a two week international trip, and we went to Australia and New Zealand, and I think I got a taste of like how good accessible like spots can be because mm-hmm. everywhere in New Zealand, they've got a men's room, a ladies' room, and they've got a room for uh, those with disabilities. Wow. So it was really impressive. Wow. Um, so yeah, I think you know, as a nation, we still have work to do. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, I think Austin is incredibly accessible, and um, there's there's no place I'd rather be. It sounds like the community here too, also, just can't be beat. Yeah. Uh, this is true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there are things we can do to kind of strengthen that community, but it's pretty saw so- it's pretty strong and solid as is. Well, for a taste of it, go check out this Pay It Forward. Seriously, listeners, uh, the event is on August second, and it is at the AT and T Hotel and Conference Center. You can find tickets and all the information you'd like online at pifdaniel.com. That's our show. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, Copenhagen Furniture. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at LoveAustin360. Please leave us a review on iTunes as it helps other people find our podcast. I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast is a production of the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidales. Our theme music is from the local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your donut-shaped floaties. Until next week, we'll see you circling the Barton Springs parking lot, waiting for an open spot. Since 1993, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now at Copenhagen, save $100 instantly for every $1,000 you spend on stressless recliners and sofas or save $300 on stressless sunrise recliners. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit our showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.